Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome once again to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you're listening to AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Here on Raising Saints, we talk to teenagers about the topics that matter most. And then we invite you parents to listen in on our conversations. And we hope and pray that in joining us, you will gain insight and wisdom and courage to have these conversations with your own Catholic teenagers. Today on our program, we are talking about respecting life. We've just come off of a big week, the March for Life and the um, anniversary of Roe versus Wade. So this is a topic at the forefront of our minds right now. And um, we have with us two beautiful young pro-life women who have been on the show before and have returned to share their wisdom. So I want to introduce Kira, who is a student at Bishop Hartley and a parishioner at St. Catherine. Welcome back, Kira. Thank you. And Talia, who is also a student at Bishop Hartley High School and a parishioner at St. Catherine. Welcome back, Talia. Glad to be here. What does it mean to you to be pro-life? I would say to uphold the dignity of every life at all stages, at all costs. Absolutely, I echo that. And not just respecting the, loving them because they have Jesus in them, loving them because of that, but because, just because of who they are in addition, like their God-given dignity and worth. You mean who they are is just created by the same creator that created Right. You and created me in, in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our catechism says in paragraph 2270, human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. From the first moment of existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. I love how conclusive and complete (laughs) that Mm -hmm. statement is it leaves no room for our church tends to be that way yeah (laughs) (laughs) leaves no room for well go ahead and make up your own mind about this yeah i just i don't know that gives me such comfort to know that the teaching on life in our church is not up to me like Mm -hmm. i don't have to decide (laughs) non-negotiable yeah I, i don't know that's that's comforting to me. I don't ever have to make that decision because I know the answer. So um, so this is something that's usually pretty deeply ingrained in Catholics. So a, a lot of te- teenagers, I think, would say that they are pro-life and, and are, I believe, pro-life, but not necessarily actively so, maybe. So, but you guys are active. You're active in your pro-life efforts. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to tell us a little bit about what you do to promote the dignity of life. Well, I personally, um, I've been going on the March for Life in Washington, D.C. every year for the past five years. And then most directly, I am part of a prayer team uh, with an organization called Live Action, which is distinctly trying to target young people and um, opening them up to the pro-life movement on various forms of social media and things like that. And then I also hand out their uh, newsletter each month with new things that are going on within the pro-life movement and new advances that are being made. 
And I also have worked with Ohio Right in their 40 Days to Life and 40 Days to Life um, in order to further the pro-life movement, not to mention like various things with my church and youth group. And yeah. What about you, Talia? Wow. Trying (laughs) trying to drop that long list of, uh, well, okay. I am involved with some similar things, March for Life, youth group parish things. Also, uh, specifically with the Ohio Right to Life, uh, I've done some lit drops with friends, uh, educating people about that and going to going to their offices, just doing menial tasks for them and then just trying to promote life through our in our school. We have a pro-life club. So trying to encourage that to for people to get involved as well. How did the two of you become involved in so many pro-life efforts? I would say to start with my family. Um, uh, part of my family is like pretty involved in politics and working pretty far up in the House of Representatives and things like that and um, just being aware of their efforts and things like that to begin with Um, but also um, I would say youth group really opened me up to the truths of you know the abortion industry and what being pro-life really means um, in all stages of life my school just um, being educated through various things has really started my once you receive that initial kind of blow once you your eyes are open to wow the holocaust the holocaust that this really is it's hard not to feel wow i need to do something i need to do something about this and then once you make that recognition there's no shortage of organizations and ways to be involved even down to the smallest things we can do, uh, there's definitely ways to be involved for youth. What have been some of the fruits of your efforts? Anything specific you can point to? For me personally, my mom's always uh, encouraged praying at the abortion clinic with her, even when we were younger kids. So that's not anything to my credit. Um, It's all to the credit of my faithful parents. But praying in groups there and there have been women i think on the main street one where where the uh, pro-life house the pregnancy center is right directly next to the abortion center and praying specifically on fridays for all the women who go in there who will probably be having abortion procedures done on them and um and there have been people many times you fail but then there's always hey there's a pregnancy center across the street oh okay maybe we'll check it out we find out later uh, the people at the pregnancy center tell us she went through the pregnancy. And just that um, just that one life that you can save makes everything else before it worth it. Absolutely. I know that, especially in our the fruits of our prayers, um, we have seen uh, legislation form, especially in the prayers for our government leaders, um, in order to help further the pro-life movement in small ways like the heartbeat bill and things like that. But have there been struggles that you've encountered along the way as well? Yeah, I think you encounter failure more often than not, especially every March for Life. I know this year we came back um, from the march, and uh, one of the leaders read this paragraph that our president sent out about having every full intention to keep abortion legal. And that was kind of a slap in the face, but (laughs) we still have, we know the truth. There's no denying the truth. And so we still have this fight to wage on. 
you don't want to go back year after year. Uh, the bus ride can be fun. Uh, you have some nice snacks, good camaraderie. <laughs> but then you realize when you're there, it's not a time for necessarily rejoicing because it's just a reminder, a bitter reminder every year of the lives lost of our own generation. Mm. Right, and you think, I shouldn't be back here again. Mm-hmm. I should have. We should have been done with this last year, yeah. or the year before, or the year before. Yeah. What about are there other things you do to promote the dignity of life other than the work you do with the anti-abortion mov- movement? What are some of those things? For me, I can uh, speak of my experience with the Bishop Griffin Center, uh, trying to serve the poor. In our Columbus area. Tell us what the Bishop Griffin Center is, just for people who don't know. It's a center located uh, through Christ the Queen Parish, and it is a resource center. They have a garden so that trying to educate people on how to grow their own uh, fresh foods. Uh, and I know our school is actually very involved with keeping that garden alive and starting that. And then uh, their main basis, they have a food pantry there available for the people who need it, and they also have many clothes. They're always accepting donations for household items and a lot of clothes. So even me, I'm just taking taking things that don't have a hanger and putting them in the hanger thing, putting the large men's shirts on the one area, just the small things like that that I can do to make their lives easier. And that's something you do with, with school? The garden center is all of our school volunteers although I haven't been specifically involved in that, but going after school sometimes independently mm. to help out. Um, I would say as far as the pro-life movement, I think the pro-life movement should be encouraging not only the end of abortion, but a culture of life. And I think so often our world is just immersed in a culture of death. And I think one of the very important things is, is just to be fervent in our prayers and pray with haste. Um, just for a revival of our spirits and of our world. Um, you know, I, Tally and I um, embarked on a mission trip to Jenkins, Kentucky, one of the poorest cities in the world, uh, before um, Christmas. And it was so beautiful to see the fruits of our labors, um, seeing these people who are so broken and have no hope, it seems, and just being able to give them a little bit of hope, whether it was repairing their homes or giving them a Christmas meal or giving them toys for their children, um, things like that. And, you know, I think a lot of times, especially in our schools, encouraging a culture of life is sometimes, you know, calling someone out when they're using profanity and just using words of death and things that are pulling us down. People are gossiping. It's about pulling Mm -hmm. yourself out of that and really rising above um, the culture of death. I think a lot of times, too, we think that to be pro-life means we have to change legislation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really what we have to change is hearts, people's hearts, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so I guess that kind of leads into my next question. Do you think a lot of teenagers feel like they don't have a voice in this issue since they aren't old enough to vote? Particularly, I guess we're back to talking about the abortion issues, so... I think that if anyone thinks the youth don't impact um, 
the decisions of our country. I think it's the adults. I think mm-hmm. especially with um, my group of friends and my youth group, we know how much power we truly have and we know that the issue of abortion is turning around and we know that our generation is going to end it. Mm-hmm. We, kn- we have this hope for our hearts and I think if anything – the people, you know, in Congress or the adults who are sitting comfortably thinking they they have more power than us. It's just simply not true. We have strength in numbers and we have strength in our Lord. I mean, you mentioned the vote now, but where's the vote going to be in four years? It, that's in our hands. But yeah. absolutely, like you said, it's changing the hearts. Right. And laying the foundation now. Mm-hmm. Right. So that you're right in four years or whenever when you are able to vote. It's, it's going to look a lot things are coming. Be shocking. Things are coming. <laughs> if you're Great just joining are... us, you're listening to Raising Saints on AM 820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We're here today with Talia and Kira, and we're talking about the pro-life movement. Um, how can teenagers help educate other teenagers in pro-life issues? Well, I have to give a little shout out to Trent Horn in this book I just read that I got for Christmas, <laughs> Persuasive Pro-Life. If anyone used adult looking for a handbook, they didn't pay me to say this. I'll just throw that out there. No one paid me to say this. If anyone's looking for a handbook that completely demolishes any pro-choice argument that can be thrown at you, read Persuasive Pro-Life. Um, it was, yeah, it gave me really good tips on engaging those kind of arguments. Um, what would you say was the number one tip that you got from that? Can can you narrow it down to that? <laughs> kind of. Well, he said, don't be weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it, not you're not arguing for the sake of arguing. You have to like agree where you can agree with that person and then lo- like point out the fallacy in their logic. So I agree poverty is like a terrible issue and we need to do more to like help these women who are impoverished, but that doesn't change where you're wrong about this here. You know what? And that's where it feels really good to be Catholic in this sense, right? Because the Catholic Church is unapologetically Mm -hmm. pro-life, but also doing more than any other organization in the world to support people who find themselves in a situation where they can't support themselves and they can't support their their children and I always I always love to be able to hold that up not and by by hold that up I don't mean push that in somebody's face I mean literally hold that mm-hmm. up as yeah but we are putting our money where our mouth is we're not just making these crazy restrictions just for the sake of making people's lives difficult yeah so I would definitely agree with Talia I think educating ourselves is probably the best way that we could spread the pro-life message but i think within our schools um i think living a pure and chaste life is definitely one of the most infallible ways to how so what do you mean how does that tie back to pro-life well and educating other teenagers about being pro-life i think generally the teen age time of your life is painted as this time to explore um, in different sexual ways. And mm-hmm. I think by doing these things, you're at risk, not at risk, but you're purposely putting yourself out there um, potentially to have a child. And it's not, it's not like a, 
it's a result of what you're doing. It's not an accident. You know, you know what you're doing and it's a blessing. It's not meant to be this curse. Um, and, you know, using different contraceptives and things like that, that's specifically promoting a culture of death. And I think by living a pure and chaste life, you're promoting this life. You're promoting the life of something that you're going to uphold, you know, when you're older, maybe not, maybe you're called to um, a different path, you know, a different religious vocation. But in that, I think that being chaste is a thing that we as teens must do in order to educate others, but also we have this dignity about ourselves um, and understanding of life in a different way, I think. I really appreciate how Kira called the attention to this culture of life that we continually hear about that we need to build up because I had I was doing I had to look up a couple statistics uh, in preparation for the show and I saw what sparked my interest was the amount of abortions that occur from babies out of wedlock. It's eighty three percent unmarried women who have abortions and that just it just kind of blows my mind seeing how much death can result when life isn't it part of the uh, spec like part of your view when you do take these actions um not condemning anyone absolutely not but just provide respecting individual people and knowing they have self-worth they don't have to find that in some sexual action when it's when they're not um you, you can respect yourself. You can have that dignity and we can help people to know their own dignity through our relationships with others. Let me ask you this question, Kara, you sort of started to touch on it and it, it's, a, it's a tangent, but it's relevant um, because one of the big counter arguments to being pro-life is, um, well, you can't be anti-contraception and still be pro-life. You can't, put people in that position where they 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 have no choices so to speak so i don't know how do you respond to that when you hear i think that's also common Mm -hmm. among teenagers too who feel like we should be able to do whatever we Mm -hmm. want to do whenever we want to do it well i read an article the other day about um birth control actually and it talks about uh pretty much every form of birth control you can think of the patch the pill the shot um you know different things you can inject. Um, But all the things do, what they do is they take the endometrium, which is the lining of your uterus, and they make it so that your child, your embryo, yes, is that what I want to say? Correct, yes, can't stick to the lining. So if we're truly claiming that we are pro-life from the moment of conception, you could have already conceived a child and not knowingly aborted your child just because they couldn't attach themselves to yourself. So I think that argument is completely irrelevant because if we look at the truths of our different types of contraception, we're not upholding the truth of life in its fullest. And regardless of whether uh, there's an embryo who might be killed in that, whether some uh, uh, embryo is conceived or not, it doesn't do anything to promote our vision for life, our or the dignity we have for life by saying, well, the sexual union life isn't doesn't need to be concerned in there. there. It doesn't have to be a part of that. That is doing nothing to uphold uh, our Catholic philosophy on upholding all life. 
You know, and, and even if you even if you are talking to somebody who's even if you necessarily have to remove religion from the conversation, which sometimes you do, because mm-hmm. sometimes if you if you are arguing or, or communicating from a religious perspective, pe- there are people who will shut you down immediately. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fascinating that especially in regard to teenagers, you know, I, I think generally culturally we would agree that teenagers having sex doesn't have a lot of good end results but you know people will say but but they're going to do it anyway so let you know so help them be safe you know to me yeah to me that analogy is like telling a woman who's in an abusive situation here's boxing gloves good luck, you know, mm-hmm. rather than teaching right. her how to get out of that situation, giving her, quote, protection. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just blows my mind. <laughs> like, why Why are we afraid to teach abstinence? Why are we so afraid of that? It's, it might actually take effort or something, not just trying to make money off of mm-hmm. birth control. Yeah. I don't know. It blows my mind. So, um. So it's overwhelming, right? We're in a hostile Mm, culture that requires courage and compassion, which are sometimes difficult (laughs) to bring together. It requires us to come out of our comfort zone and to take risks. So when you first started to be active in the pro-life movement, did you feel overwhelmed by these things? I still feel overwhelmed. Do you? I feel overwhelmed sometimes, especially when you get into these debates. You have all of these facts and all this knowledge and all this truth that's bubbling up inside of you and it's hard to sometimes formulate your thoughts and get it out just because there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that this is in fact the truth you know we have the leader of genetics at the mayo clinic agreeing with us we have atheists doctors people who have no religious affiliation with these claims providing the facts that it is the truth and i think that in all of these all of this truth we're just so I sometimes just get overwhelmed in, you know, my anger and my rage. Not maybe not that, but just <laughs> frustrated. My frustration and the fact that this isn't and, already... and anger. I yeah. mean, babies are dying. Yeah. That makes me angry. Yes, <laughs> that's okay. I think that's okay yeah. to feel angry yeah. about that, it's just, even enraged. Right. Yeah, it's just frustrating that this isn't already taken care of. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Talia. Well, I was just reflecting. I think a lot of the generation that we think um, a lot of the people who might not be supportive of the pro-life might not, they might consider themselves pro-life or pro-choice, but just not really be strongly about the other, just kind of apathetic. Like maybe they know, okay, well, that's probably true. Life probably begins at conception, being apathetic about that. And it's just hard not to like scream people's faces because, I mean, we fall short every day as well, but wanting to let people know like this is, this is real. This is a big deal. And we should be fighting for this. And then it just kills me looking at like Twitter feeds or something. I'm bored. So bored. What, uh, like, what do I do right now? It's like, there are things to do. Like there are important things to do right now. And we just need to do them. (laughs) (laughs) There's absolutely no reason to be bored. Right. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone who feels called to be active in this movement? but maybe overwhelmed by the challenges or maybe nervous about the persecution or I would say start with prayer. Prayer is by far our most powerful weapon that we could ever use. 
Um, and from there, I would do some research, maybe um, associate yourselves with a few different organizations and really uh, take their angle, uh, you know, really educate yourself and just, I, yeah. And you both find a lot of support through groups that you're affiliated with. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. You never probably feel alone in your cause. I think community is essential. I would agree. Because whenever you feel lack of motivation, maybe to do something, there's always uh, your brother or sister standing next to you saying, no, let's go. We're doing this. Right. And also, I think each person has a different take or a different way that they can appeal to other people's absolutely senses. So using your brothers and sisters in the fight is absolutely essential. Have you experienced that? Like, oh, my approach isn't working, but this approach might. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even not with the pro-life movement. It was everyday things <laughs> right people have other like different backgrounds some people can be empathetic because they've mm-hmm. been in that situation and they can uh, uh kind of apply that other people are more uh logic minded in the actual just um like educated thought of the process not necessarily the emotional side of it mm-hmm. so there's just many different angles that you can uh use depending on the person well we are coming to the end of our program so um let's let's conclude with prayer In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Precious Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Lord, what a gift you've given us in the gift of life. What a gift you've given every human being. Lord, we just ask that as we encounter people this week, we recognize their dignity, we uphold their dignity, we celebrate their dignity, and that we recognize our own dignity, each of us, Lord, whoever we are, whatever we're encountering, that we recognize the gift that you've given us in life, that we recognize that we are created in your image and your likeness, and we celebrate that. Lord, we ask that you give us strength on our journey. We ask that you change the hearts of people whose hearts are hardened on this issue. Help us to proceed with grace and with compassion. And we ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Talia and Kira for joining us again here on Raising Saints. We always love having you here. You're welcome back anytime. Parents, I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Keep raising those solid Catholic saints. They are making a difference in our world. I am encouraged every every week when we're in here. I'm encouraged by our wonderful young Catholics. So parents, that's because of you. Keep it up. Until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com.